podcast. Happy New Year. Happy 2023. A very happy FIFA Women's World Cup, AUNZ, to all who celebrate. We are back for the new year. We're back talking about the dub. I'm genuinely so excited about this year, just quietly. Like, you know how those first maybe month of the year, you're writing down the date and you accidentally do the wrong one. This year, straight away, literally 1201, I was like, 2023, I've been ready for this since 2020. Let's go. But um, that's a, dig- <laughs> a digression. Let's actually talk about the dub. It's been a little while since we did a pod because we unintentionally took a little break over the Christmas and New Year's period. So we have a lot to catch up on, which I'm very, very excited about. But before we get into all of that, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you have me, Marissa Lodanik, Anna Harrington, Sam Lewis, and Angela Christian Wilkes. So friends, let's start with some you love to see it. So Angela, I'm going to go to you first. What did you love to see over the last couple of rounds of dub? Uh, yes. Um, so as we all know, I'm a 10 um, and I'm also a 10 on the playing field. Oh, I fucked that up so badly. I thought it was good in my head. That's what you get for trying to be confident, Angela. She's a 10 I she can't string a coherent sentence together. <laughs> She's a 10, but she's got so much ADHD. Anyway, um... <laughs> Hang on, what is she? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, um, uh, the point is, I love a sexy through ball. That's that's the point. That's what we're getting to. And we saw a lot of these in the past. I, I don't know if it counts, like, past couple of rounds? It all kind of has mushed into one, you know, kind of amorphous round but um two in particular came to mind for me um the first was um Paige Zoyce's through ball for Chids to score in um Victory's 1-0 win over Canberra um it was just so well read and into the space and Chids was able to just snap it up and do this clinical finish into the bottom left corner loved it um and I also really enjoyed Amy Harrison's um assist for Sheridan Gallagher in the one all draw with Wellington and Western Sydney um and a great finish from Gallagher as well I think it was the outside of her foot and she was able to just get the angle and not you know I think a lot of players in that situation would just hoof it into the keeper but she did well there and yeah the ball from Harrison is just what we know she can do and what we love to see from her. So yeah, sexy through balls. There were some other ones that didn't um, result in goals. I think Sam, you had a couple that came to mind, but um, one of them being uh, Keane's through ball for Carly Johnson, I think in the chaotic Perth Western United game. Um, Johnson wasn't able to finish that, but yeah, it was, it was another sexy through ball. So yeah, that's what we love to say. Um, and yep. Yeah, we love to see me not being able to pull off a joke. I should have rehearsed it a couple more times, maybe. I don't know. <sighs> it was it was a great you love to see it. Ten out of ten. Sam, what did you love to see? So as the founding member and chairwoman of the Tall Forwards Society, I cannot help but have solidarity with the uh, polar opposite end of the spectrum being the short forwards society and one particularly short forward in the dub this season is Michaela Robertson at Wellington Phoenix she is the shortest player currently playing in the competition 1.48 meters which is four foot eight I believe and she scored her first goal her first goal in her first season at the professional level for Wellington 
against the Wanderers this past weekend. It was a chaotic goal. It was just a sort of smash and grab type of thing after some chaos in the box. But the thing that I loved so much was the photo that went viral of her afterwards when she was standing up talking to the, the, the journalists on the broadcast afterwards and she had to stand on one of the biggest boxes I think I've ever seen someone have to stand on <clears throat> because she is so short. It was like one of those big silver like band boxes that you see wheeled around at like festivals and stuff. It wasn't just like a crate or anything. It was like a proper box. And even then she still wasn't reaching the same height as the, uh, as the dudes she was talking to. So Michaela Robertson being a short queen, uh, earning her, getting her first goal for Wellington Phoenix. You love to see it. We really did. It was just very deeply funny, to be honest. Harrow, what did you love to see? I love to see Casey Dumont um, doing a little throwback to her grand final performance with an incredible performance between the sticks for Melbourne Victory against Canberra. Like Something like five one-on-ones, I reckon, that, uh, that Canberra had. And a few, to be fair, they should have buried anyway, but the ones that they didn't were because Dumont was pulling up all sorts of saves down low, like making herself big, like, just throwing herself in the way, like she was, you, you name it, that's the type of save she was making. And it, it was just extraordinary, just over and over and over again. There was this little period between about the 80th and, I don't know, 92nd minute or whatever it was, where it was just like bang, 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 Flannery, Heyman. Uh, earlier on it was Jalo that she denied with this incredible one-on-one save. It was, yeah, she was just incredible. Um, one of the best games she's ever played, one of the best goalkeeping games you'll you'll see. Um and I'll do my own segue here. It's a, it's a, you love to see it because one top player, great performance, but also uh, just Jeff Hopkins post-match. Um, we asked her about like, should she be in the mix for this Matilda's window, right? Come Feb. And he said, well, you know, Casey knows what I think of her. And, you know, I think she's miles ahead. This is quote, miles ahead of any other goalkeeper in this league. Um, so I think it's a pretty fair, fair statement. It's, it's really been a race of two for some time between her and probably Jada Wyman and, um, I think Casey is a better goalkeeper right now. Um, but it did open that sort of – that question. It's going to happen, I think, with every game this week, every round this this season, sorry, much like the men's pre-World Cup. Anytime a player plays well or gets a consistent run of form, we're going to be talking about um, World Cup prospects, especially for the Australians and Kiwis uh, in this league. So I guess it is a – am I pinching an early rondo here, Marissa? It's a – Casey Dumont, should she be in that squad – for February as a, as another goalkeeper, especially with Jada Wyman, who's been the go-to on home soil injured at the moment. Has she just earned the right to be there? I'm throwing it open to the floor. I feel like we, we've, we've talked about this in the past, right? I think it was after it's very that good. Incre- <laughs> after the, particularly after that incredible grand final performance. Like I remember mm. writing my analysis piece about Casey Dumont because she almost single-handedly won that game for Melbourne victory. She was extraordinary and that was a really impressive season. And she's had really impressive seasons over the past sort of four to five years. And there was maybe one where she was a bit in the air. But the last two in particular have been quite extraordinary and they've sort of coincided with, remember when we had Casey Dumont on the pod and we talked to her about this sort of stuff, like what's changed in your life? What have you sort of done to address the... The, the, the issues that you were facing that was maybe preventing you from taking a game to the next level. And she said that she's just, she's loving her football. She's in a really good mental space. She's obviously done a lot of fitness work as well. She's in a much better physical shape than what she used to be. And it's it's showing in the way that she's playing. I think that this is, the, the, the past two seasons are the, the best two that I think I've ever seen her play for her personally. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if she's called up to, 
to the Matildas for at least the the home Cup of Nations, which is going to be announced, I think, next week um, officially. But she she's shown not just on the eye, but in terms of statistics, that she's the best shot stopper in the A-League women's and has been for some time. I think the only big question for me, which I think we spoke about the last time we talked about Dumont, was in terms of her distribution and the ball at her feet. I don't think she's quite at the level that she needs to be to be an international goalkeeper just yet, but she's improving in that respect, I think. So, yeah, I'd be curious to see what the next, like, six to 12 months looks like for her and if she's really serious about getting back into the Matildas whether that's going to be part of the game that she tries to improve on I think she's always been quite sort of diplomatic when she gets asked about it as well like if that comes up it comes up like she Mm. I think everyone always knew her talent like um when I spoke to her before that grand final and then she had that great game it was a lot of it was about her connection with Jeff Hopkins who she worked with much like Elise Keller Knight and that's with Queensland yeah in Queensland even before Brisbane Royal sort of started so like that partnership has obviously paid dividends massively as well because Jeff backs her in and she replaces Jeff and it works really well. Um, she's playing a lot of confidence, as you say, Sam. She seems to be enjoying her football. I, I just like the idea that you reward players who are in form. Um, mm. I know we've talked about this with the big boards that Mackenzie Arnold is clearly the third choice at the moment um, because of, you know, playing in a top league, those sorts of things. But I think if you're looking to bring in a local goalkeeper, which they have done the last couple of camps, right, especially with um, with McKenzie being injured, surely you have to reward someone who's in form, right? Like, because if Jada Wyman's injured, she can't be in the mix anyway. You're really looking at either a young player and, I mean, Sally James at City has been benched for Melissa Barbieri recently. Uh, I think Chloe Lincoln's the other one's quite highly rated in the, in the league in terms of those young goalkeepers, but... I mean, when you looked at those two goalkeepers up against each other on the weekend, Lincoln did well, made some good saves, but also her positioning was probably off for that Chidiak goal and Chidiak, and sorry, and Casey Dumont was excellent. I, I, I think yeah. it's it would send the right message for me. You, you're not expecting probably Casey Dumont to play, but in terms of the message it sends, it would it would be a good one. Again, this is, depends on what the goal is in Mackenzie Arnold as well. It's interesting that you say that, Harrow. I have. I don't remember much as we've established, but um, a couple of years ago that Western, so it was Victory Western Sydney at Lakeside and that was the night where there was all that lightning and it was like very hectic. And they had to, Yeah, anyway, um, Casey Dumont did the post-match presser after that um, and she talked about wanting to get back into the fold with the national team and I think people forget. So she was in and around, I guess, the national squad quite a few years ago now and I think it seems like it at that point in time it was still quite recent and I she wasn't playing at her best it's really been a slow burn but now she's just come back from injury and settled in and as Harry said like this partnership with Jeff has just obviously done wonders but that yeah after that game she was like I know what I need to do to get back into the national squad and I'm working on that but I think it would just be a real cute thing if she did get to because she is of she is quality I think she's absolutely proven that now like with several seasons where she's backed backed it up backed it up backed up yeah um outstanding performances um in the moments that victory need the most so yeah I would what can't hurt oh well it could hurt other people who don't get called up but why not I I think yeah absolutely she should be called up to a camp and be rewarded as we've been talking about the 
The other thing we talk about is I know that you often bring a young goalkeeper in and Wyman's a good example if they brought a Lincoln in, you know, because they get a taste of things. But as Marissa mentioned at the start of this podcast, World Cup's in like seven months, like six six months really. Like you, when they're not going to be decisions made based around who's going to be the Matilda's goalkeeper in, in two years, or at least they shouldn't be. Like you, you need players that are ready to go at the same time as you want to develop them, right? So it's... um. Yeah, I, I always think once you get close, you know, push comes to shove a bit, you, you need players that are ready to go if, God forbid, anything happens to your other goalkeepers. Like Dumont is someone that you know could step in and do the job straight away. You don't want to have to call in a third goalkeeper or fourth goalkeeper, whatever, but, you know, strange things have happened. So, yeah, we shall see. But she certainly deserves to be in a camp is where, where I was getting at. Not to be negative but it is who I am as a person. I don't think she will get called up, not because I don't think she's good enough, because I absolutely do think that she is. I just think it's the worst position for her to be doing well in. Like, you can only pick one goalkeeper and that's it. And currently in the Matilda's sort of space, there are people ahead of her. So I don't think if she doesn't get picked up, uh, called up rather, I I won't be surprised, but it's not, this surprise is not a reflection of her talent, if that makes sense. It's a reflection of the wider situation. Um, but who knows? I could be wrong. I'm regularly wrong. So we will wait and see. Um, do we want to do a little quick take on this victory Canberra game that we was the catalyst for this conversation about Casey Dumont? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was awesome. a cracking game. It was yeah, a great one of the, game. One of the Canberra, best games of the round. I, Canberra pretty much filthy they didn't get anything out of it I think Jeff uh Jeff Hopkins said as much victory basically got out of jail um Michelle Hyman just looked so dangerous so did Grace Jolly I think um speaking to Cambridge coach it's very much like the story of their season and Angela could probably uh speak to this as well like that created so many chances and really really should have got something out of this should have scored earlier Casey Dumont was excellent, but I think I mentioned their own finishing let them down as well. Mm. The belter of a game. Like, you're just on the edge of your seat the whole time, right, Sam? Like, it yeah. was intense. Yeah, 100%. And, like, I, I haven't seen so many really clear-cut chances fall to Nikki Flannery in quite a long time, and I'm just kind of devastated that she wasn't able to finish at least two of them. There were two just, like gapingly open goals basically that she one was, was Casey Dumont getting down very very well to palm it to the side of to the side of the post and one was just like half the goal open that she just went wide I'm like Nikki what are you doing but yes no it was it was crazy Michelle Heyman looks in ripping form even if she's not scoring as many goals as she did last season um, probably the, the best game that I've seen Grace Jale play for Canberra this season as well I thought she was really um, really effective in the kind of like counter-attacking system that they were trying to employ. Um, And speaking of beautiful through balls as well, oh my God, this game had so many of them. There was a stunning ball from Michelle Heyman that cut through all of Melbourne Victory's defenders for Jale to run onto. There was that incredible back heel through ball from Vesna Milivojevic to find Flannery. There was, I think, another beautiful ball from Grace Ma. It was just like midfielders galore was, was that whole game from Canberra. But it's just a shame they didn't have any forwards to finish him off. Yeah, it's uh, defensively, there are some concerns that came from this game in terms of Victory's performance. But I guess as well, they seem to have just a bad, bad luck week with their their roster. So KK was out with illness. Um, Bunge, I think, had a knock. 
So Nash was like, I thought Nash did quite well in that central role, but um, yeah, quite a few times they victory did get caught out, I think pushing high up the field. And I'm like, but that's going to happen because Canberra, like their whole thing is zoom, 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 you know? Um, So yeah, it was, it was a really fun game to watch, but um, I'm going to be interested to see how, yeah, victory kind of um, regroup after this and approach things in terms of defending moving forward. Who are they playing next? Can't remember. Anyway, but yeah. And also like great to see, I think a very consistent, like a cohesive performance from Canberra. Um, This is looking like, they're looking like a team, which is really fantastic. And um, they've really come together quite quickly uh, in this season. So yeah, the Angela Derby, it's always a good time. It's even if it's not always a good game, there's always chaos. Um, I'm, th- I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into the memory bank for that one, but yeah. Um, yeah. Good game. If I may drop just a quick thought on Canberra, I thought it was really interesting in this little kind of space of games, two losses against uh, two of the Melbourne clubs. Um, but so that 4-0 loss against Canberra, they had against Canberra, against Melbourne city rather, uh, 16 shots on goal, six on target, no goals. And uh, City only outshot them by a couple in both metrics. So it's really interesting um, that they seem to be creating these chances. They're just not finishing. And it was a very similar story in Faulkner against um, Victory. So, again, outshot Melbourne Victory, 17 to 4, seven shots on target each, and yet it was Victory who came away with the chocolates. So a bit of an interesting one, I suppose, to watch with Canberra if they can kind of break that damn wall and it becomes a, a goal fest because... I feel like we've spoken a lot about this attacking force. We've mentioned these names a lot, Yajale, Heyman, Flannery, Milivojevic. We keep talking about them, but they're not producing the results. So I reckon that's one that we will watch with a little bit of interest as this season continues. But let's move on to one of the other big games of this festive period. Perth Glory, Western United. They've done it again. They are undefeated once more. Western United end up winning 3-2 over glory over in Macedonia Park. Western United, like how much more can we kind of talk about them with surprise and delight? Like just how good could this team be, I suppose, is the question. I I don't even reckon this is their this is their full stride. Hey, like this is a really, really good team. It's a really good team with a really good spine. And they all have such good chemistry already. They've got all the kinds of weapons that you'd want. And they've just added another as well in a Canadian international who's coming across from uh, like college, I think, or something like that. Um, yeah, it's I'm I was I'm just so impressed every time I watch them play. And I'm I'm not just impressed with the way that they control a game. I'm I'm impressed with the way that they manage a game as well. When they went behind twice against Perth, they didn't panic. They didn't sort of resort to long balls. They didn't descend into chaos. They just kept sort of chipping away in the way that they know how to. And it helps very much when you've got a player like Chloe Legazzo to bring on from the bench who can then go on and score what is a, a pivotal goal that then leads to ultimately the winner, which was an own goal from Dem- Demi Kulazakis, which was kind of sad. But, yeah, like I, I, I think it was it was a probably one of the better games from Perth. And they'll be annoyed that they didn't get at least a point out of that I think um you know but the Western just seemed to have a sort of like a feeling of just barreling towards something 
to them this this season, which I, I really like. And like speaking of metrics, Marissa, you look at the metrics of this game, they had 23 shots to 11 from Perth, right? Like eight shots on target to five. Um, and Sarah Langman is a really big reason why Western didn't score probably two or three more goals. Langman was incredible for Perth, similar sort of vibes to Casey Dumont, basically just like kept them clinging on in the ultimate moments, um, made some absolutely ripping saves. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised at all that Western are where they are. And, I mean, RIP Wellington because they're playing Wellington next week. <laughs> if Wellington don't learn how to score any more goals, and I think Western are probably going to be uh, top of the table. Well, they already thrashed them once as well, didn't they? So yeah. stop them doing it again. Um, fascinated to see when Western play Sydney, which is next week now, which always was next week, sorry, but has now been moved uh, down to Melbourne. Um, it would be really interesting when Legazzo goes in Feb and also McDonald leaving, how that affects them because Legazzo has really sparked them and driven them when she's come on as a sub, especially sort of at half time. And we know the quality she gives. How funny was her little dance, by the way, <laughs> scoring her goal? What was, it was that? So good. Don't know. We'll have to find out. I'll see if I can chat to her and ask. It's um, like when I cover that the game this week. It was incredible. The... No. Okay. Sorry, guys. Do you know? Do you know what I'm talking? About? Marissa, I'm relying on you here as my resident. You're talking about line. the Is this a TikTok song? thing? Yeah, huh? you're talking about. Probably like a song. Yeah, that's what yeah. that's what it sounded like, didn't it? Okay. Yeah, I am. And maybe it was. But it's I don't the Vine know. song. Just imagine listen, the Vine play song. Play in your head and play "Pop It Like It's Hot" over the top. It's fun. Anyway, you're welcome. <laughs> well, maybe we'll meme that later. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, let us return to the chat. Put some work in. Anyway, yeah, I'll be interested to see how they go after because. I feel like before this week, Sam, you mentioned the, the 23 shots on goal. Um, I'm no XG nerd, but Westerns had been like low compared to the results they were pulling out, which um, shows sort of how clinical they, they'd been or, you know, the moments that they've been able to make count. And they just have this real guts and character about them, which I like. Um, I think it, it's, it's interesting because I feel like this whole, maybe not second half, like latter two thirds of the season, it's going to be this whole, Will um will they just keep on rolling and get better and better? Because you'd expect that with gradual improvement, or will they stop being able to have, I guess, the jump on teams and they they get caught up on at some point? Like it's it's really fascinating when you got this sort of um, unknown quantity doing this. Um, so it's gonna yeah, I, I'm really excited to see how the season plays out with them because they've been super. I've I've loved the way Hannah Kane's gone about it. Um, such a such a, just a different journey to get to to A League women that I chatted to her about a little while ago, like just being rejected and then going and playing with the Champions League, making a Spanish Cup final, just going and testing herself and then coming back and being a sensation. Like I love it. There's lots of really good stories um, about this team and just full of players that have, you know, maybe not got their chance or only been train-ons before that are now getting an opportunity to really show what they can do. And, yeah, it's a credit to them. And, and you'd think Mark Tocaso is going to win the, the coach of the month. I don't know how you don't if you haven't lost a game. Um it's, it's a real credit to them. So I'm really excited to, to see where they go from here. Let's quickly talk about Newey and Adelaide. Angela, from memory, you had takes on this game, though. I don't have takes on any game. I'm just like, that was fun. That was <laughs> yes, fun. Do. Okay, what was Newey Adelaide? Uh, I know Sam has takes on this game, but Newey Adelaide, Newey Adelaide was just interesting because what was that? What's happening? And also, friend of the pod, Tom, was like, you must be feeling bullish. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And he's like, 
smug and I was like yes <laughs> but it's not a good thing it's like it has its limitations because I don't want Adelaide to be bad that was that's the thing so New Newcastle beat Adelaide 2-0 um and I think that's quite a surprise I think most people would have been surprised by that result and I think it's kind of it typifies Adelaide's problems that they're having this season the ball is just not going into the back of the net um and yeah Newcastle were able to take their chances with Lauren Allen scoring and Grove was able to get a hand on it but it kind of just like swooshed over her head into the back of the net and then the game kind of opened up from there but in a really chaotic way like Newcastle were really able to push Adelaide a lot more after that opening goal so yeah it was an interesting interesting game it wasn't an attractive game of football I would say which is interesting because Adelaide usually they have a bit of flair about them um they're quite fun to watch but yeah it was I think they are probably going to be quite frustrated not just with the result but the performance as well it's um like for example there was one moment Dorba had basically turned Georgia Georgina Worth and had a should have just put her foot through it and then she like sort of faffed around and the opportunity was gone it's just like yeah they're not taking their chances um as like as clinically as perhaps they should be so it's it's a weird one because it's like it's not like Adelaide are bad but they're getting bad results um oh my coffee's yeah. here that's <laughs> right on time yeah no, they've that's... been so jammy right sam yeah that's like it. they've like, yeah. not been looking good in front of goal but getting results and then it's finally come and got them <laughs> yeah and that's what's so that's what like feel maybe that's why it's sort of hard to talk about adelaide because it's like you look at them on paper like you look at their starting lineup against newcastle and that starting lineup last season you would have been like yeah they're gonna thrash him, but it just hasn't. It's just not working. Like the thing that we that we see on paper is not the thing that we're seeing on the field. That's what's so weird about it. Mm. Have they been I found out? Like teams know how to play them this year. Not Maybe. not full blown found out. Like they're no good. But oh, you're thank like, you. you know, we saw how good Wurtz and Wurtz and Dorber were, for example, last year, and it really clicked for them, especially once Dylan Holmes came back from overseas. But it feels like they've missed out. It feels like their defense has been a bit shaky as well. Like mm. um, Angela talked about this a couple of weeks ago that that was what she was worried about with them. But I guess when you're, it's it's difficult. It's like it's almost a little bit like, albeit they've had much better result, the Melbourne Victory men, right? Where you see they've got all these really big names up forward, but when you they don't score goals, it puts a lot of pressure on the team as a whole because if you're not putting away some early chances, then the other team just has to grab one or two goals and all of a sudden it gets very difficult very quickly. Yep. I'm not saying they're in the same position because Melbourne Victory men are doing a lot worse in terms of the table, but the similar sort of vibe when you've got quality forwards and they're not finding the back of the net and then the confidence starts to, you know, get eaten away a little bit and frustration kicks in and it, it feels like they need a circuit breaker. Um, mm-hmm. and it, we thought it would come a couple of weeks ago, but it just hasn't yet where they, you know, put three goals or something past, past the team. Um, but, it just feels like blood from a stone for them attacking at the moment. Yeah. And that's exactly like, that's exactly what this Newcastle game was as well. Like they had so many opportunities. They had so much of the ball and yet it was Newcastle who came away with two goals because Lauren Allen is really, really fast and that's it. And she just beat 
Adelaide centre backs with a through ball, and that's pretty much it. And I, like, I think the centre back question is probably the big one for Adelaide because this is the first time that they've been without Matilda McNamara for a while. So now they've got Marushka Walders and Jenna McCormick, who've never played together, I think, consistently before. Um, so they're still probably getting coming to terms with one another and how each other plays. And they're also both very slow. So the way that they have to adapt to having coming up against pacey forwards like a Lauren Allen or you know, any other basically fast forward in the league, they're going to have to try and figure out what to do about that because you sort of had a much more complementary, I think, um, array of skills in previous iterations of the centre-back pairing of Adelaide. And we're not really seeing that this season. And I'd like, and then you have a moment, like you said, Harrow, where if your forwards aren't delivering and you, you've got Fiona Wurtz there, she was the golden boot winner last season. Like if she's having an off season, if you've got someone like Chelsea Dorber who's not really scoring very many goals, then like you have to you have to be able to have sort of the the strong like core of of defensive effort in order to give your forwards enough time and enough opportunities to try and gain back that ground. But it, it feels like that's not quite what Adelaide's got at the moment, which is a little bit frightening. I've liked, uh, there was quite a bit of rotation in this game and they've obviously had like some, um, like Xiao was injured and then came back into the mix this round. And I wonder if like Adrian Stent is trying to tweak the starting lineup to try and bring something a little bit different or bring a different kind of energy. But um, I was going somewhere with this, but oh yeah, I'd like to see Amelia Murray maybe get more minutes because she has that. She's quite young. I think she doesn't when she plays, she has that kind of, yeah, confidence about her where she doesn't have perhaps the weight of expectation on her just yet. And I've really rated the energy that she's brought when she has been playing. Um, but I was also going to say, speaking of expectations as a whole, maybe that's what's happening here as well. Because Adelaide, for so long, no one expected anything from them. And then they, you know, gradually built into this, team and this this style of football that we know now and that um I think all of us on this podcast rate quite highly highly but now it's like well the expectation is that you're in and around the top four and that you are producing week to week you're not they're not the underdogs so much anymore I don't think and I wonder if that's kind of playing on things a little bit um yeah and I yeah they just haven't nailed that consistency um but yeah, hopefully they can turn things around. Now they've got more, um, I guess, injury-free players in their squad and they've got, I mean, yeah, they've just got so many good players to work with though. Like Condon was on the bench to start with and she's fantastic. I, I, just, I don't know. It's it's like that annoying thing that people say where they're like, I just think that maybe they should put the ball in the back of the net. It's like, yeah. Super obvious and obnoxious, but <laughs> kind of true. true. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Adelaide. We love a classic. Adelaide. If if I was Adelaide United, I would simply score more goals. But I'm built different, so that's a different story. Um, let's move on to real quick fire rondo questions because, like I said, there's been a few games since we last potted, so we need to talk about a couple of things. 
the worst thing that we probably have to talk about is Amina Ekic injuring herself. She literally scored a pen and then did something no good. So we obviously wish her a very smooth, speedy recovery. But how big is this loss to this Melbourne City team? They've gained a lot of players back, but Ekic was really proving to be a pivotal player. Right now, big loss. Um, the timing, like she was on lo- on loan, she was going back in mid Feb, so there's like it's fortuitous, not the not the injury, but at least she wasn't going to be here till the end of the season. So City did have plans. Conte Rojas was going to replace her in February. I wouldn't be surprised if that gets bumped forward. I know she's doing her Chilean training camp at the moment, but I imagine she'll slot straight back in given that was the plan anyway uh, but she's a big loss she's been super she's been really exciting um, really evasive fun she can put in a good ball she can score goals she's been one of the real live wires um, of the league this season um, like a pretty young player classic I think a real old school um, American in the dub like young player looking to prove herself get more game time in the or like you know step up in the NWSL so will look to was using this as a bit of a platform to you know kick on and get some more game time and you know get some goals and really prove what she could do so I really feel for her in that sense because I think she's been excellent and she had a big chunk of family in the crowd uh there were a lot of Ekic jerseys which was would have been quite distressing for all of them I really felt for all of them seeing her go down I think we were all initially like oh no not ACL not ACL and it wasn't an ACL it was ankle and it looks like that's where the fracture is Uh, she said it was a broken leg I think it's one of those like ankle fractures um not sure how, how long that will leave her out for. We know that Catherine Zimmerman was going to be out for a while. So hopefully her rehab all goes well back in the States and, yeah, they can sort that out. But, yeah, big loss initially. Um, I think City had a lot flying around timings in terms of, you know, maybe you have Ekic till mid-Feb and then you can start maybe easing a McNamara back into the fold again via the bench. And, you know, they plan to have Rojas replace her when she initially came back. So they've got to sort of shuffle things around all over again, City. Um, and she's been a a bit of a proven asset in this opening um, month, six weeks or so. So, yeah, I think it's a fair loss um, and they'll miss her. I know they were going to lose her anyway, but, yeah, uh, she was playing a huge role in terms of them just banking points. Next question. Uh, the Wanderers in Wellington, they drew, but a draw doesn't really help either of them at the moment. So the question we ask is, Will we have two winless seasons in this A-League women's campaign? Because each other, like each team kind of presents the most, uh, the best opportunity for the other to get a win. But if they're taking points off each other, then that does not help them. So could we see <laughs> two winless seasons in the dub? Isn't it funny as well that Wellington's first ever game in the A-League women's was a one-all draw against Western Sydney? And we were like, oh, this could be a thing. This could be the platform upon which they fly. And then they face-planted. But that was okay because <laughs> they were a young team. They were new, still figuring it all out. Um, it's more concerning, I think, for Western Sydney that this is still a question that they're having to ask themselves. You know, like we have had this conversation so many times about this club and really it, it hasn't been since the Karakuti Cross season that Western Sydney have looked like they should in the sense that they are meant to be a big club. They're meant to have lots of resources. They're meant to have access to a really big player pool. And yet they continue to flounder at the bottom of the ladder. Um, They're just not, I mean, maybe it is because there has been so much turnover, new head coach, all that sort of thing, but they just don't really look like they 
have got it. They just don't look like they know what they're doing a lot of the time. Wellington should have won that game, I reckon. That was probably their most convincing performance so far. And uh, particularly towards the end, there was a moment where I think one of the players had a breakaway. And if she'd looked up and had just crossed the ball into the centre, there was, a, I think it was an, another another Michaela who was one-on-one with the goalkeeper and would have slotted at home. Um, but the Wanderers just didn't, they just, they're just not, I just, <sighs> shout out to friend of the pod, Eric, because I'm like, who is a, a struggling Wanderers fan. I'm not even sure he's a fan anymore because he's just so constantly heartbroken by this club, but it's, it's depressing, you know, and like, I wouldn't be surprised if Wanderers just continue on this trajectory. And like, I, I would like to think that Wellington will be able to pick up some pace towards the back end of the season once they sort of have a bit more chemistry and and their bigger, more experienced players start to sort of get into some rhythm. Um, but I don't really see that happening with the Wanderers, unfortunately. It's hard to get excited when they've not, like, thrown out a big transfer budget or something, like brought in, you know, yeah. like at least a few years ago when they had a, a burst, it's because they spent up and brought a few players in. Bar Amy Harris and then a couple of young Matildas. There's, I know there's a few Americans in there, but it's not like, World on fire, Lynn Williams, Kristen exactly. Hamilton stuff, right? Yeah, um, it's it's really hard to get to get excited, and it it very much I feel um, hinders what your coaches or your and your whole group of players. Let's be honest, can do, especially when you see rivals able to strengthen in um, as the season goes on. So it's difficult. I don't think we're going to see an answer to the run. I don't think we're going to see two winless teams just because I think at least one of them is going to jag a win somewhere. It just happens. It's a long season. It's a longer season. So it's it's going to happen. They'll probably both jag one at some point. Couldn't tell you when. But, I, again, I feel like uh, – I don't know. I'd say I feel like Wellington are more likely to score goals, but I feel like Western are more likely to generally defend a, a little bit sturdier than Wellington. So it's a real – no idea. They'll probably both pick up a win at some point, though. I think the two things we need to keep an eye on with these two teams in particular are Wanderers signing Serena Bolden. If she can provide goals, the Philippines International, yes, maybe that solves a little bit of a problem. And we were talking about it a little bit pre-record. Um, but the football ferns have their January games against the US women's national team and the Knicks seem to be the only team with ferns that are willing to play ball for obvious reasons regarding releasing players because they don't technically have to because it's not a full proper FIFA international window. So if that's uh, a declining moment for the Knicks because they feel the need to release their ferns, that's going to be a real interesting situation. So Mm. some things to look out for there. Final little Rondo question. So we know that Remy Seamson has secured a move abroad, which is obviously very exciting. We don't have the specifics of that yet, but the rumour appears to be Leicester in the WSL, which is pretty exciting if we're adding another Aussie uh, to the, the England kind of gang who are playing over there. So I suppose the question is, is this the right move for both club and player in terms of it's good for Remy Seamson's career and it's kind of good for Sydney FC as well? Um, yeah, look, I think so. I think it's it's there are pros and cons to it from my perspective. I think it's really good for Remy. Um, it's obviously a step up in terms of the quality of the league, in terms of the quality of her teammates, in terms of the, the quality of the opposition. It's going to be fantastic for her to be in a fully professional environment as well, um, regardless of whether or not Leicester drop down to the championship because even though the championship is still kind of semi-pro, 
a number of the clubs are fully professional, including Leicester. I think they'll probably stay fully pro if they drop down to the second tier. Um, so it's a great move for Remy. I think it's also probably a good move for, for Sydney FC. She wasn't really making the kind of impact with them that she had in seasons previous, largely because they've brought in other kinds of players who can do the things that she did a little bit better. Um, and I think it's it's probably also potentially going to be a good move for Leicester because Leicester need a goal scorer. They, you know, they're, they're in the drop zone at the moment. They need to be scoring goals. So bring in a centre forward, bring in a forward who's still young, who's got um, a really sort of well-rounded centre forward kind of uh, profile to her um, and push her, you know, force her to prove herself. Because I don't really think she's, I think she's sort of, she's reached the level of the A-League women's where she she needs to sort of go the step up in order to find her own ceiling. And we've seen a number of players do that over the years as well. Like Claire Wheel is probably a really good example where we she thought her ceiling was Sydney FC, but once she got that move overseas, she was like, oh, it turns out I can be a lot better than this. And she has just gone and gone. Um, so, yeah, so I'm really excited for Remy. Uh, Rumour is that it's Leicester. Uh, the, the Leicester City women's um, active sort of supporters group has already tweeted it out, but the, the club hasn't officially announced it yet. Uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great for her. And even if she does go to the championship, she'll join a whole bunch of other Aussies down there, including Izzy Dalton, uh, Polly Doran. You know, you've got a bunch of Aussies who are, are going to be playing in and around the championship next season anyway. So good luck to her. I mean, she's a she's a great person. Uh, she's a fantastic ambassador for Australian football. She's going to be missed by, I'm sure, everyone at the club and, and all of us here. We've had her on the pod before. Um, but, yeah, it's, she's going to be great. If she's going to be the future of the Matildas, let's start now. We haven't had her on the pod, but we'd love to have her on the pod, Remy, oh, if you're listening. Not? Come hang out. No, we haven't. We, we've had a fair few Sydney FC players, but we've never had Remy. Um, or maybe this is the opportunity. Remy, this is your invitation. Come hang out with us on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I can only see it being a positive kind of for both uh, parties in this kind of situation. Sydney have a really good strike force and, you know, Remy obviously – luxury to have Remy included in that but better for her that she's off elsewhere playing getting minutes and I also just I really like it as a sign of intent from her um she could have just as easily stayed in the dub in an environment that she knows you know is good for her with players who are doing Mm. really well obviously we assume Vine's still very much in the Matildas contention Princess Avini has been really uh strong putting her case forward to kind of be included as well but she obviously wants more. She wants to do more. She wants to be properly in that Matilda's conversation. And I don't think there's a kind of bigger uh, sign she could have given Tony to say, I'm serious about you picking me. So, Mm. you know, let's do this dance basically. So um, yeah, we'll wait to see when that's officially confirmed, if it is indeed Lester, but we can't wait to kind of see her hopefully do well. That's what we all want ultimately. All right, let's quickly move into a boot. Angela? Yes, my boot is that there were no bevies at CB Smith, CBS, CB Smith, CB Smith Reserve. Sorry, get the, get the name right. There were no bevies at CB Smith Reserve um, at Faulkner on uh, Saturday for the, for the Angela Derby. And that was very distressing because, A, I love a good bevy. Um, and I was expecting one and B it would have, it was perfect. It was perfect bevy weather. It was so hot. And that kind of ties in with like a secondary, I think probably more important boot in the fact that um, it was a 
3 p.m. kickoff and it was so hot. Uh, and CB Smith is like the stand, just the the number one priority obviously is the players and their well-being, but also for fans, like the sun creeps up the stand over the afternoon as the like um, as it get yeah gets more exposure from the sun and it's really really hot and yeah it's always been a thing and it's just not very comfortable and yeah it's not great and I don't know why we have to do three p.m. kickoffs when we could just not do do those anyway um and I was talking a little bit about um yeah I do wonder if these 3 p.m kickoffs oh here we go uh the 3 p.m kickoffs are due to like the dub zone thing like to have more games on at that time means that it's a better product but then I'm just kind of like we'll change the time of dub zone I don't know Uh, that's probably a pain in the ass as well but again at the end of the day like this is the heat thing we whinge and we whinge and we whinge about the heat but it's like it's always an issue it's a summer league and I just don't get especially at a like a smaller ground it's not a double header you don't have the same kind of limitations around the game afterwards and that kind of thing it just doesn't make sense anyway so that was a bit of a convoluted boot but I guess two no bevies and it was very hot and they're related anyway I I don't know how much longer we can do summer league boots. The sun's not going to change, so we have to. Like, that's <laughs> as simple. Like, the sun's not going to stop shining in summer. It is not going to stop beating down on us. In fact, it's probably going to get shinier and hotter I mean, as if the, we want... glo- the globe warms, which is a thing. Remember I that? Mean, but, and that's why it's so annoying. It just seems like this league has always been in summer for as long as it has existed. And yet every season it's like, hmm, it's looking a bit hot on the weekend. What should we do about that? And, like, to the APL's credit, they have moved some games. Like, there has been a level of proactiveness in postponing a couple of games. But it's it's not like one weekend's hot. This isn't, you know, like Scandinavia where the sun shines for one weekend or whatever in summer. Like, it's consistently hot over three months. So I am annoyed that we continue to do this, and I'm sure we will continue. So, um... Looking forward to episode three of the It's Too Hot to Play Football boot. <sighs> Anywho, let's round things off with a how good. I kind of spoiled the how good already because I did it in my opener, but I think we can't really undersell the fact that it is 2023, Samantha. Sure like, is, baby. It's 2023. World Cup year. We're here. We're here. We made it. <laughs> I can't believe we've done this. (laughs) Who would have thought? (laughs) And honestly, so I remember all of us watching the announcement uh, back in June 2020 on Zoom, all of us Mm. in our respective lockdowns and Gianni and Pentino saying the host will be 20 uh, of 2023 will be Australia and New Zealand. And now we're here. Now we're here. It's 2023. We're in Australia. It's, I, I know. And can you just like, I, I think back to that, night and I remember bursting into tears immediately because not only was I so overjoyed but I was also just so relieved like it's this is one of those moments that you don't really realize the impact that it has until afterwards and we've seen what the Socceroos did when they were in Qatar we saw how galvanizing that moment was for us half a world away back here in Australia 
like that that and that was just the taster of what this tournament is going to be you know regardless of how well the Matildas do which I'm sure they they will do well because they've shown really good signs over the past couple of windows regardless of how well they do just having this moment having these players having this kind of visibility for women's football in front of literally the entire population of the country and really the entire population of the rest of the world like it's it's yeah, like we we talk about it all the time, and every single person who's asked about it are like, we we don't really understand how important this is going to be or how big this is going to be. It's true, like we actually don't understand. Even I can't really comprehend it sitting here now, and that is what excites me most is that even the things that I have imagined, the ceiling of my imagination, that that even is limited by what I think this is going to be. So it's twenty twenty three. We've got just over six months until this thing starts. There's so much to get excited about. Let's go. We have 196 days to be exact because I am a countdown girly (laughs) and I've had that countdown app since literally June 2020 when we found out that the World Cup was coming down here. But you're so right because I feel the exact same way where I'm just like, it's going to be huge, but I don't fully understand the hugeness of it. And I'd like to think I have a pretty good handle on, you know, how much this is going to mean to all of us, all of like how much it's going to do for the game mm-hmm. here. So I can't wait. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to just be like the most obnoxiously annoying person every <laughs> week telling you all how many days to go. I just, I'm so excited. I can't wait. It's going to be so, so good. The biggest how good. The biggest how good of this year, the Women's World Cup, undeniably. Um, but that's us done for today thank you so much for tuning in we'll back we'll be back to kind of regular scheduled programming now that we are kind of more into the new year and not in that crazy festive period anymore but remember you can always find us on espn.com.au and the espn app as well as spotify apple google all the pod spots leave a review and subscribe if you like what we're doing uh if you want to have a chat to us we are at the far post pod on all social media appreciated everyone's kind of takes on the big board so if you don't know what i'm talking about go check out our last episode before this one which was our first matilda's big board you can have a read of it uh over on ESPN, ESPN.com.au as well. And I just think let's keep talking about Matilda's Bolters because now we're in 2023. It's very, very fun. But uh, until next time, that's the